If that's your heart tonight, let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <coughs> and whenever you find your place there, you wouldn't mind to stand. This morning, uh, I was about being friends with Jesus and really, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, if you didn't catch that. Uh, really, what Jesus was commanding there, primarily was that his people, his disciples, his friends, that they love people. And there was a lot to be said this morning, and we didn't really get to labor on that as much as I would like to. And I was going to be in Joshua tonight, but the Lord really directed me back here to 1 Corinthians 13. Now, we're going to spend most of our time in verse 7, but for sake of context and all of that, we'll probably just start in verse number 4. Okay, And right here, Paul is describing what it is to have charity, what it is to have the love. The love that God has for us is the love that we're to have for others. Amen? And this is describing what that looks like, and we'll, we'll just take a moment this afternoon and get some more clarity on that. So, verse 4 says this, <clears throat> Charity suffereth long. By the way, the word charity is the same Greek word, agape, for love. And so, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. And then our verse, verse 7, Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And so we're going to pray and get into our message this afternoon. A description of love. A description of love. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for uh, letting us be in your house today. Thank you for our friends that came to visit us, and I pray that you would work in them, our guests that were here, that you would take your word and use it in their hearts. And Lord, help us, God, to love on them, and help us, Lord, to show them your love, and help them with their greatest need, which is to know you. And then I pray that you bless us tonight as we get into your word. Help us to We'll have hearts that are open, uh, ready to say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. We love you, Christ, and I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you again for standing. <clears throat> so I think it's safe to say tonight, or I guess it's this afternoon, I don't know what time of day it is, <laughs> that love uh, can be a confusing topic to talk about. Because you can, when you say love, you can mean a lot of different things. And, and it's kind of an appropriate word still to use, in the, in the English language at least. You can say, I love my wife. You can say, I love my child. You can say, I love my neighbor. I love God. You can say, I love my church. And you can say, I love football. And each time you say that word love, it can mean really totally different things. And I'm thankful that God chose to inspire our New Testament in the Greek language. And that Greek language has more than one word for love. And it kind of narrows down a little bit what we're talking about. Uh, it's this afternoon, and there's different words for it. Uh, there's eros and philia and, and um, others, but we're just going to, for sake of time, focus on the word agape that, that uh, Paul uses here in 1 Corinthians. And that, that word is a love that loves without changing. Uh, there's other loves that love whenever things are right and have strings attached, but, but the word uh, agape is a love that has no strings attached. It, it's a self-giving love, the kind of love we talked about this morning, a love that gives without demanding anything in return. 
It's a love that has no standards or, or prerequisites. Even, even a love for your family has strings attached in a sense. Those strings don't ever break, but you love them because they're your family, right? But agape love is above that. It has no strings. It has no prerequisites to be met in order to receive agape love. It's a kind of love that cannot be earned and therefore has very little to do with the one being loved. Okay, that's the love that God has for us. It's a love that loves even if it's been rejected. It's a love that gives because it loves. It does not love in order to receive. Strictly speaking, it cannot be defined as God's love. Sometimes that's what they say. Agape, that's, you just call this God's love. Well, it can't be called that technically because that same word agape is used whenever God says love not the world. It's that same love. It's agape. Or when it says that men love sin, it's that same word, agape. And so, obviously, God doesn't want us to love sin this way, but, but men do love sin even though, listen, men love sin even though sin does nothing for them. Isn't that right? Why do we love to sin? There's no logical reason. It does nothing but destroy. It does nothing but hurt. And we love it. Agape. Now, of course, that's not what we ought to do. We ought not to love sin that way, but we are to love people that way. We're supposed to love people no matter what they do for us. Even if they're our enemies, Jesus said. Even if they've done nothing but hurt us, we're to love them because this kind of love isn't attached to what we get from it. Okay. Yeah. And so we have, that. this is the kind of love, by the way, that God has for us. We have nothing to offer him, Right? There's no strings attached to God's love for us. He doesn't love us because we've done certain things. He doesn't love us because of who our parents are or our great-great-great-grandparents are. That's what the, the Jews found out, right? Just being a son of Abraham, that doesn't do it for you. God loves us because he chose, right? We said that this morning. And it really, the, the love that God has for us, it makes no sense. In the same way that the love we have for sin makes no sense. The love that God has for us, really, it, it doesn't, it, there's really no uh, foundation for it. It doesn't make any sense. So him, him loving us, listen, Him loving us required Him to die. And He got nothing for it. This is the love God has for us. We don't benefit Him in any way, and He benefits us in every way. And He did it because He agapes us. He loves us. It's the kind of love that we're supposed to have for people. That's what Jesus said this morning, right? That the love people even so as I have loved you. <clears throat> in fact, Paul told the Corinthians in our passage, really in the first three verses before the passage we read, that without this kind of love, we are, we're wasting our time. It, it, without this kind of love, the, the Corinthian Christians were nothing, Paul said. Anything they tried to do for God was worthless if it wasn't done out of a heart of love. If there are strings attached to it, if there, is, if there was, uh, if they were expecting to receive back, they, they, were, they were wasting their time. Paul used hyperbolic extreme language, and we're not going to really get into it too much, but, but he said you can, you can speak in tongues, you can know all the prophecies, all the mysteries, you can have the greatest faith, you can give to the poor, you can, you can be martyred for Christ, and all of that is pointless if they're not done in love, Paul said. Anything that you do 
that's not born out of a heart of love for God and a love for people is, is you're wasting your time. Yeah. And so I would say that this matter of charity, this matter of love, is a pretty important deal. And Jesus said it was important, and here we're learning how important it is. And so what Paul does, and where we started reading in verse 4, is he starts to describe love. He doesn't, right here he's not defining love. He's really describing love. We already defined love, didn't we? That's what we kind of spent this whole first part of the message doing. So verses 4 through 7, and really the first part of 8, are not defining it, they're describing it. Paul is showing the Corinthian church what charity or love really looks like. Now, having the definition obviously helps, and we've talked about it. We've, we've mentioned it this morning. We've spent some time now. But it really, I, I was just, God, I believe, led this way because it will help us to see what it actually looks like. Not just what it is, not just the theory behind it, but to see what it looks like in action and for us to be able to take these truths and apply them to our life. <clears throat> now, for sake of time this afternoon, I'm not going to stop and spend a lot of time on each one but I'm going to give you just a short uh, definition of each one of these descriptions of love that Paul gives. And so if you look in verse 4, it says this. Uh, wait. Yeah, there it is. Charity suffereth long. So that means charity is patient. It's slow to become angry. It's slow to be frustrated. It's long-tempered. Charity is kind. Literally, That literally means useful. So what you're doing when you love somebody is you're finding ways to be useful or helpful to them. Does that make sense? That's what it means to be kind, to do something helpful. Charity envieth not. It's not jealous of others. It doesn't resent others. It rejoices in what others have. It doesn't, it, the, listen, the more they have, the happier you are. The more some, if you love someone, the more they have, the happier you are, as opposed to the more you have the happier you are. Charity vaunteth not itself. It doesn't brag. It doesn't try to make itself look better than other people. It doesn't spend a lot of time talking about all the good things that they've done. Vaunteth not itself. <clears throat> Charity, uh, let's see, vaunteth not, oh, envieth not. We missed that one. Oh, no, we didn't. Oh, no, here it is, here it is. Envy, envy is wanting what others have, right? So we don't envy. Envy is wanting whatever what others have. Bragging is making others want what you have. You see? And so we don't envy what others have, but we also don't make it hard for others to not envy what we have, if we're going to love them. Does that make sense? So it, it vaunteth not itself. It doesn't brag. Charity is not puffed up. It's not arrogant. It, it doesn't have a high opinion of itself. Only humble people love people. Only humble people love people. Charity does not behave itself unseemly. It doesn't behave inappropriately. Love has good manners. Love is not rude. Love considers what their actions, how their actions come off to others. They're, they don't behave themselves unseemly. Charity seeketh not her own. Charity, love, is not self-seeking. It's, it's to be completely indifferent to yourself. If you're going to really reach the charity that God wants you to have, then you're really just going to not care about, about your own uh, as much as you do others. It doesn't build itself up. It builds others up. It doesn't demand recognition. It doesn't demand applause. If people don't notice you, that's okay. Because you don't love you, you love them. You see. Charity is not easily provoked. 
It doesn't burst out in anger over personal offense. If it becomes angry, it is when God is offended, not when they are offended. Because it's not all about us, right? This is what it means to love. Charity thinketh no evil. It doesn't dwell on offenses. It doesn't hold grudges. It doesn't keep an account of offenses and, and, and do its best to pay back what's been paid them. That's not how love thinks. It thinketh no evil. Charity rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. It doesn't take pleasure in other people's sins. If you love someone, you don't like to talk about all the bad things they've done. If you love people, you're not about the juicy gossip. If, you're, if you love people and you heard somebody messed up, you're not asking, what did they do? If you love people, you're not on the Fall City Police Department Facebook page and sharing it and, and telling, about everybody, telling everybody what everybody else did wrong. No, you don't rejoice in offense. You don't, joy, you don't rejoice in iniquity. Love is not comfortable dwelling, and taking, uh, dwelling on and talking about the sins of others. We don't like it. If you love them, you don't like talking about it. If you love them, sometimes you have to talk about it. But when you do talk about it, you're not very comfortable. You see? And, and, if, you, and if you enjoy or find yourself often talking about the problems of other people, here's what the Bible says is true. You're not loving people the way you ought to. Because we're not, we ought not to be comfortable talking about other people's sins. Even our political enemies, by the way. Yeah. Okay, so there's charity. How's everybody doing? Now we get to our passage in verse 7, where Paul ends the list with this. And this is where we'll spend the bulk of our time this afternoon. It beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, it endureth all things. And so what in the world is that? What is all things? Well, it can't mean that under any circumstance, no matter what's happened, this is what you do. For example, this obviously does not mean that you always believe everybody, no matter what they say. So you can get yourself in some really weird spots doing that. So what does it mean? Well, what, what it does mean is that these four areas are going to be your default, right? They'll be the first thing you do with people. It's your first, it's love's first option. It's love, it's what love wants to do. These four areas are what love wants to do. If you love people, here is your default. It's what you habitually do, the first thing on your mind. These are, you can call them the habits of love or the mindsets of love. These are the way that love thinks. If you love people, here's how you think. Number one, it beareth all things. To bear here it doesn't mean just to put up with everything. Bearing all things, okay, you just, you just ignore anything that happens to you. You'd be like a duck, right? That's what they say. Just forget about it. That's not necessarily what we're talking about. We're not saying, like, if you love someone, you just let them live in a sinful way, and you let them treat you in a sinful way, and you just take it all the time. You never say anything. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you never correct somebody in their sin. I mean, obviously, that can't be it, because we're commanded to admonish. That's not what Paul is saying here. Obviously not, because he just spent 12 chapters pretty much addressing their sin. And so Paul would have just been telling everybody that he doesn't love them. That's, that's not what Paul is saying here. Actually, in Hebrews it says, Who God loveth, he chasteneth. Right? And God loves us, and he definitely will correct us in our sin. Proverbs says that he who spareth the rod hateth his child. If you love your child, you will correct your child. And so what is this all about? Well, the word bear there, it has the idea of covering. Of covering. Covering. Covering what? Well, covering the shame 
of someone's sin. Does that make sense? Covering the shame. Covering the weaknesses of others. Covering the failings of others. And where possible, covering sins. In fact, 1 Peter 4.8 says this, Charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Proverbs 10.12 says, Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. Proverbs 12.16 says, A fool's wrath is presently known. A fool tells everybody what they're mad about. But a prudent man covereth shame. They're not about shaming people. And so love seeks to help someone in a way that will bring him the least amount of pain. That's what we're talking about here. To help somebody by bringing them the least amount of pain, but still helping. Love does everything it can to cover the weakness, to cover the failing, to cover the shame of others while still helping. That's why Jesus said if someone offends you, you go to them, what? Alone. Why? Because what you, if you love them and they've offended you, you don't want to bring shame on their life. What you want to do is get it right with them and no one else know about it. That's the goal. You go to him alone. No one else has to know what they did to you. You go to them and if they repent, you forgive and it's over. And no shame has been, it's been dealt with. There's some pain there because you told them they were wrong, but only enough pain to make it right and to cover as much shame as you can. Here's the point. Love is not vengeful. Love is not interested in getting even. Love is hesitant to see others hurt or ashamed. <clears throat> love is interested in the one who sinned to be helped and to be reconciled to God. That's what love wants. Love wants that person to be helped. He Love wants that person to be reconciled to God, uh, but, but uh, not really excited about the pain part of that. Although, oftentimes, a certain level of pain and a certain level of shame is necessary, but, but when you love somebody, you're not satisfied when another is hurt or ashamed. You're only satisfied when they are right with God. And you only bring the amount of pain or shame that is necessary to help them to get right with God. How are we doing? That's why we tell our children not to tattle. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the problem with tattling? I mean, they're supposed to come tell us if their brothers did something wrong in a sense. It's better than punching them. All right? I, or, you know, Myla and Kara yelling at each other and, I took my toy back. Okay, well, you don't need to go like pull her hair or something. Come tell daddy and we'll get it fixed. But, but sometimes we, they're just telling us why. Because they want their sister to be shamed. And I think oftentimes adults tattle as much as children do. And all they want, really all they want, is for this person who hurt them to be shamed, to be hurt in some way. And, and for everybody else to know how bad that person is. If you think that way, here's what you're not doing. You're not loving them. You're not loving them. Yeah. Love doesn't consider how they've been hurt. It tries to help and minimize the hurt of others. Love doesn't gossip. When love notices sin, it doesn't broadcast the sin. It covers the sin. If you love people, gossip stops with you. If you love somebody, people don't even come to you with gossip. Because you know you're going to shut them down and tell them to go talk to the right person, the one who offended them. That's it. Yeah. Again, it tells those who need to know. Sometimes there's some that need to know so that the sinner can be helped, but that's all. That's as far as it goes. And it's natural to make ourselves feel better by exposing the bad of others because in some sick way, we feel like we're better off 
when we make everybody else wicked. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're not better than them. But we sure would like to feel that way. And so we gossip and we tear down others as if we have no problems. Yeah. Love is more interested in the good things of those they love than the bad things of those they love. <clears throat> love makes it a habit to broadcast the strengths of others rather than broadcasting the weaknesses of others. Love doesn't have a critical spirit. Love makes a habit of broadcasting the good deeds of others rather than the sins and failings of others. That's how love works. So that's what it means to bear all things. The next one is this, love believeth all things. Love believeth all things. Again, this doesn't believe that you, if you love somebody, you always believe everything they say all the time. No, that's not true. That's actually foolish, to believe everything all the time. <clears throat> You're never to believe something you know to be a lie. And so that's not what Paul is saying here. It does mean, though, that you never believe evil about somebody unless the facts demand it. If someone comes to you with gossip, you do not believe them unless the facts prove it out. If you don't believe political garbage out there about the political enemy just because you don't like them, no, you only believe evil and wrong about somebody when it's proven that way. You see? This is what it means to believe all things. Yeah. You always, always, always give the benefit of the doubt if you can. That's how you love people. <clears throat> when love, listen, this will help you. When love doesn't know, it chooses to believe the best of others. Because love isn't suspicious. Love doesn't take the facts that they have and then fill in any cracks with bad things about people. Actually, love's the opposite. And they take the facts and they make it and they assume the best with the cracks. That's how love works. You want to believe good of others, not bad of others. <clears throat> now there comes a point when someone has violated your trust so badly that the facts are, here are the facts, they're liars. That does happen sometimes. Over, after enough times, you would be foolish to believe that they're saying the truth. There does come that point. And in that case, love desperately still wants to believe them, but they just simply can't believe them. See, that's the difference between a suspicious person and a loving person. However, it's not love's first response to be suspicious and, and, and angry that way. Love makes it a habit to choose to believe the best of others unless the facts just demand otherwise. You make a habit of the benefit of the doubt. It's actually like our law says. What we're supposed to do is that we see people as innocent until proven guilty. And if you love people, you're supposed to view them as totally innocent unless it is proven they are guilty. Now, our law system doesn't really work that way. I think a lot of the times it's because of people, things like Facebook and Instagram and, and X or whatever it is, where they just broadcast stuff, and I don't know if this is true, but maybe they did this. And then people just believe it. We can't operate that way. If you don't know, then they're innocent in your mind until they're proven guilty. That is how we love. That's how we love. We believe all things. And then... By the way, if they are proven guilty, that's not reason to start blowing them up. Now we cover, don't we? If, if it is proven that they have sinned, now we do what we can to cover the shame and help them. That's how you love. Number three, love hopeth all things. 
Love is optimistic about the future of a person. When you love somebody, you're optimistic that they can, there's a a chance that they can come out of this. There's a chance that they can get right with God. And not because that person has proven anything by their decisions, not because they've headed in the right direction, but because if God's grace is available, there's always hope. And so we can hope all things. No sin is final. There's always a way of restoration to God. There's always the chance, there's always the chance that that person can repent and get right with God. There's always that chance. Why? Because the grace of God is available. Now, there does come a point when someone's hope has been beaten down to the point where there's really just a flicker of hope. And someone can take advantage of you. <clears throat> and, and there might need to be a time of proving themselves and, and, and before there's reconciliation. Forgiveness can be there, and you want to believe them, and, but you just can't. And so you just have to, you just have to uh, still love them that way. And, and, and even during that process, you're still, if you love them, you're still hoping that they will prove themselves and that they will get things right and that they will get right with God because love, when you love somebody, you don't give up on them. You don't lose hope. As long as they're breathing, there's hope. doesn't matter how far they've gone. doesn't matter the decisions they've made. doesn't matter the way they live their life. If someone is breathing, there is hope. Why? Because God's grace is available. And that's how we need to think of people. Last one is this, we'll be done. Love endureth all things. Love endureth all things. Love does not give up. The word endureth was a term used in the military often to describe a soldier and his ability to remain in battle even when there's violence, even when there's suffering. And a soldier, a soldier who endures is wounded but not defeated. Wounded but not defeated. If you love somebody, you'll be wounded but not defeated. And when you love somebody, it's going to be a battle. And you're going to be wounded along the way when you love people. And there's going to be suffering, and there's going to be disappointments, and there's going to be hurts, and there's going to be betrayals. But love keeps going. Love is wounded but not defeated. Love doesn't dwell on those things. Love doesn't stop bearing. Love doesn't stop believing. Love doesn't stop hoping. Love continues. Love endures. Love continues to take the beatings of sinners and is always there, ready to make reconciliation. And again, there's, there's a place for separation if the person is not interested in being reconciled. But like the, like the father and the prodigal son, you're still waiting. You still want reconciliation. They might not want it, but you're still there waiting. You still want it. You're still, you're still there. You're still hoping. Yep. So love, we'll read it one more time and then we'll be done soon. Oh, man. <clears throat> Verse 7. Love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And so we'll just say a few uh, statements here at the end and we'll be all done. It's a place called the Baptist Challenge. I don't know what it is, but it's helpful. So I'm going to say these and you might jot some of this down. Love is slow to suspect and quick to trust. Slow to reprimand, quick to forbear. Slow to belittle, quick to appreciate. Slow to condemn, quick to justify. Slow to offend, quick to defend. Slow to demand, quick to give. Slow to provoke, quick to conciliate. Slow to hinder, quick to help. 
slow to resent, and quick to forgive. This is love. This is how love thinks. These are the habits of love. And this is the way we're called to live. This is the way we're called to think about people. And so what are we going to, what are we supposed to do about all this? This is pretty crazy. This is pretty heavy. Well, we said it this morning. You can't live this way. You, if you're honest with yourself and if, you, if you've been listening close, you know that you're not capable of this. But here's what you need to do. You still, you do need to recognize that even though it is impossible, hey, this is still a command from God. This is not a suggestion. This is not like, hey, if you love people this way, your life will be better. You should try it. No, this is a command from God. This is how we're supposed to live. And by the way, living other than this is sin. It is sinful. So recognize that. <clears throat> Realize this, that this is something you cannot do on your own. God has called you to do it. God has commanded you to live this way, but you can't do it. But you do also need to understand that God can do it. And he wants to help you live that way. He wants to be your friend, right? And he wants to give you uh, the ability here to, to love people this way. And so here's what we do tonight, and we'll be done. Surrender to God. Say, God, I know you've called me to this, and I, I want to live this way. But then you trust that God's going to do it. You can't do it. I can't do it, but God can. And I want to because he's told me to. And then, and then, with that in mind, you obey. And you watch as God begins to love people through you. It's not going to happen without the vine, right? He's the vine, we're the branches. He's our friend, and he wants to help. But we're going to have to surrender, surrender ourselves, submit to him, and then obey. Because that's what friends of Jesus do, right? They obey all that he has commanded, and he has commanded to love one another, even as he has loved us. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. God, we're so undeserving. I'm thankful that you think of us this way. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have a desire for us to grow and you never give up on us. You always, Lord, um, give hope and give your grace and extend a way to be right with you. And thank you for loving us, even though we had nothing to offer you. And I pray that you help us to love people this way. Help us not to be suspicious or vindictive or, or gossip. Help us to love people and think of people the way you do. We love you, Christ, and I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.